Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast presents Ancient History, the Bachelor podcast that asks ye old question, Savy, what what do I have to do in order to become considered America's sweetheart? Mm. It's not fair. It is tough. I mean, I would argue that part of the problem could be that you are located pretty firmly outside of American soil. That shouldn't matter. <laughs> Well, look, yeah, in a more evolved world, you know, and maybe maybe this is something we can look forward to because we're, mm. we're talking on this podcast about things that took place quite a while ago and the world was quite different back then for many reasons we've talked about, we'll talk about more. Maybe we can hope as we look towards the future from our perspective in 2021 mm-hmm. that someday we might all be America's sweetheart, you know? Citizens of the world, Xavi, or as I like to call it, Pangea's people. Mm. My name is Max Quinn. Joining me, as they always do, is Xavier RN. Hi, Xavier. Hello, it's me, XRN. I'm coming in hot and high. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to talk through the first ever Women Tell All, a fantastic idea from the series, in my opinion. We will get to it, and then mm. we'll really get to the good stuff. Xavier RN has prepared an extensive Google dossier entitled Top Secret, Go Away Max Q, Where Are They Now? That's right. I have put together uh, sort of, you know, 20 years on after the fact, what happened to these people and uh, and, and where are they now? And uh, it is, it's top secret in the sense that we need to preserve some sort of entertainment value for this podcast, so I'm springing it on you. Excellent. I can't wait. Thank you. And uh, do you know what else I can't wait for? This What's week's installment of... Batch World Catch-Up, what's the news? Okay, so uh, we've talked about this before. We are taping these episodes some weeks in advance. So I am not equipped, and as I might normally be, to provide the latest and greatest of the news at time of recording. So we're leaving a little bit of a gap, maybe, in case anything's come up that we didn't... Because I think we're also releasing other episodes around now where we might talk about the news. Anyway, if anything's come up, here it is now. Um... Fucking Sam Frost back on Instagram. I don't know. And these are my reactions. Wow. <laughs> what was happening with that part? <laughs> Sacre bleu. Can you believe in full view of all of us? <laughs> in a public space? <laughs> in in this economy? <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Pretty I good. Think that, That's covered everything that could yeah, possibly have come up. We yeah. definitely have covered all of our bases, and Xavier, we are now preparing <laughs> to climb up to the highest rung, step tepidly out onto the diving board, and... Oh, it's scary out here, but uh, oh, uh, I promised Tina I'd do it. She was looking at me from, from down the bottom, and I said, you got to look, you got to watch, and so I'm bouncing once or twice on the very edge... 
and I swan dive into a beautiful double forward flip and dive deep into The Bachelor US, Season 1, Episode 6, The Women Tell All. This episode aired on April 25th, 2002. So let's talk a bit about just Women Tell All in general, because it's not a thing that we get to see in the Australian version of the show, unfortunately. They've tried it once or twice. Um, but this is a this is a flavor of Bachelor. This is a uh, an event that we rarely get to discuss. I don't think we've actually ever talked about one before. The last time that we had one was in the first Paradise. That's right. They had the they had little. Was it the second Paradise? Who can say? I have a feeling it was the first one. Mm. Um, check have back there on only the been two? There have been two, right? <laughs> there have been three. Okay, then it was the second one because it was the one that Brooke was on. Okay, right. If you have never seen one, well, actually, I'm curious, Max. Have you seen? You've uh, that is that probably the only one you've seen? Yeah, and then I think that as The Bachelor was airing on Channel Nine as I was growing up, mm. you would flick over, and occasionally it would be this thing where all of these women are sitting on kind of chairs, staggered in a stage, and it would feel a bit like daytime TV. You know, if you weren't yeah. if you weren't aware of the ins and outs of what had happened in a season, this just you know, feels like people yelling at each other. Yeah. And this yeah. is where it all started. And it doesn't really, the fascinating thing about this for me was that there wasn't really that much yelling at all. Right. So, you know, if you've never seen one, as you said, Max, it's it's basically a chance to gather all the women who've been eliminated so far for a public debrief. Uh, the host chats to the group and they, you know, pull certain people out in front of the crowd for like hot seat interviews uh, and usually it's a way to rehash and maybe eventually resolve tensions or, you know, plot threads or whatever that came up during the season. And these days, as you're right, I think building over time from this point that we're going to discuss today, it, you know, these days it's a moment for some pretty hectic, like, you know, uh, unpleasant, <laughs> aggressive arguments mm -hmm. and also like sort of staged antics and, you know, bits that the producers are trying out and stuff like that. Definitely. Now, can I ask you, in the book that you read about mm. this first season of The Bachelor, yeah. was there any talk of this episode being a throw-in? Uh, it's a good question because I'm trying to remember in the book, which is called Bachelor Nation by Amy Kaufman, um, whether or not this comes up. I'm sure it comes up, but uh, I haven't read it in full for a couple of years. I did do some research online this week and... It seems like this was a response to good ratings and they were like, well, we're about to run out of this show. Um, it's worth mentioning that this tell-all aired directly before the finale. Um, so I guess as just a way to elongate, maybe they had a feeling that the finale was going to draw in a bunch of viewers. Um, and yeah, they just, they just threw this in. I'm very willing to believe that this was a last-minute addition. Um, but it's interesting that it's survived even to this day, particularly, I mean, not in Australia, unfortunately, but, but in the States and many other countries too. And has become a real flagship, you know, an expected mm. thing and a place where we can mine gossip and drama. But I think this is a throw in, you know, I, yeah. I would assume that the, this show got a six episode order. And when ABC realized that they had a hit on their hands and when they realized that people had still a level of investment in, but what happened to Shannon? Right. And, but where's Rhonda? And we need to know more about these people because we're in a time before Instagram, before social yeah. media. Like we need a way to give the audience closure. And while I would posit that 
no, this wasn't part of the initial series run, mm. part of the initial series order. This is just an incredible idea. Yeah, I think it needs to happen. Um, I think particularly given the season that we have just watched and discussed, um, where, you know, they I think over time they get better at planning things out. And so therefore they don't have to leave as many threads unresolved as I think they did this time. Mm. But I think particularly getting towards episode four or five here and looking back on being like, oh, fuck, we didn't say anything about most of these people or whatever. We might as well give them one more chance. There'd be some interest there. Yeah, this is one of those ones where, I mean, I don't think that The Bachelor invented the reality TV reunion special. No, I agree with you. I don't think that they did. But I think that it is the perfect execution of, of form here for the period. I agree. Um, And I think it's a good format for it in the sense that, like, you're not talking too much about, like, challenges that you might have done better in, like you would do on a Survivor one or whatever. Right, right. You know, like, it it is all about the interpersonal relationships, and so there's plenty to hash out. Chris Harrison's opening narration seems keenly aware of a fatal flaw in this season's construction. He says, Tonight, they are back. Shannon, Lenise, (laughs) Kathy, Rhonda, Kim... And the others. <laughs> the others is just <laughs> such an interesting piece of branding, isn't it? <laughs> Truly. For what is uh, 80% of the cast, except, yep. well, I guess they're not going to have the, the two people remaining at this point. Yeah. But the vast majority, <laughs> uh, I just wonder, you know, did he memorize their names? Because we didn't, you know? Who did at this point? Um, but he does introduce them all by name. So I guess, I'm, I don't know, maybe he's got some palm cards. He's got some palm cards. Um, and he starts by bragging that from coast to coast, America has been captivated by the show. And he teases the finale that would air later that night as we, you know, tease across, I'm sorry, as we pan across the sofas that the women are sitting on, arranged on some random soundstage with nary a tea light candle to be seen. Yeah, because this is different to where it is now typically hosted in the US, right? Like, I feel like they've got some ongoing and regular setup that feels familiar every year. Right. They've got a venue picked out, like, like you know, the Oscars are usually in the Dolby Theatre or whatever. They have some kind of Bachelor Superdome where, you know, much like the mansion, which they just keep year after year, um, they just light it and they set it up and they go, you know? The first discussion point is why the women did the show in the first place. Chris Harrison asked the women what the toughest part was, and many of them agree that it was the reaction by the press and the public. There seems to be this perception that they're desperate and that doing the show would have been degrading, Um, which is an interesting point, and it kind of still comes up these days when people talk about people who go on reality TV. I think so too. The thing that Shannon said at the end of all of this where they were like, why did you do it? You know, she's talking about her friends talking to her and she says, I got to be on TV and I would do things that I'd never ever done before. And for me, that is a blanket justification for doing just about anything on reality TV. Mm. Angelique says she doesn't see it that way. It was fun. Lenny says it was like being set up on a blind date. Daniela says, look around. Do we look like 25 desperate women? I don't think so. Um, I think it is interesting to think about the perception being a big topic here and the, uh, the response that people are having 
obviously there's a big public show and a lot of people are talking about it. It's in gossip magazines and it's on TV news and entertainment weekly and whatever. But like, it's interesting to that you can trace the line all the way back from here to now where social media makes it so much easier for contestants to be inundated with negative messages and hate and you know to the point where now in Australia the social media accounts of the contestants are managed by a third party you know ostensibly to protect them from the inevitable backlash um, but that stuff has been present since the very beginning. The access to feedback is what is striking about this because these women are talking about oh my goodness, people coming up to me in the street or people writing in, in magazines and in newspapers. And to a certain extent, that's easier to, to block out than what One we might experience thing. in 2021, where this feedback comes up directly on your, on your personal computer. Right. And, and, and not forgetting that it also comes up in public and it also comes up in interviews and magazines and all that Right, right. Too, and it know. comes from sources that can be, because the form has changed so much, so much more vitriolic. And it's something yeah. that I suppose we should keep in mind as we move through these seasons and as we approach future seasons, that looking even at where it started, this has been, this show has been one that has created blowback for mm. the contestants and i think perhaps we all need to be careful not to amplify it yes and in a way in every year every season we watch and every episode we record of our podcast we are of course complicit in the <laughs> uh, you know in the endure i mean we try to we try course, to decentralize the conversation away from that stuff but you know uh, the enduring existence of this show is, of course, a blight on our universe. <laughs> but hey, stay tuned. Uh, we cut away to a taped package in which we see Shannon, Lanice, and Rhonda watching episode one with friends and family. And plot twist, Rhonda, sweet, perfect 2002 named Rhonda with the gun and the right reasons and the here to make friends. She's invited her new boyfriend, Ryan, Sweetie, to the we viewing love party. Ryan. We love Ryan. What a normal-looking man. He seems very fine. <laughs> he seems like a guy who, uh, this is the most important and interesting thing that ever happened in his life, and that is fine. I wonder if he is still with Rhonda to this day. Will we find out? Xavier <laughs> RN, we'll keep you posted later. Stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, Lanice says that she's learned a tremendous amount from being on the show, and Shannon in ITM says, I feel like I was stressed for no reason. I should have enjoyed it. And I'm like, we are squeaky clean at the top of the show, aren't we? We are so squeaky clean. This is so far away from the kinds of drama that, like, the pacing of this whole episode is what got me about what is what is distinct to the way that we might approach a reality TV recap or reunion in the year 2021. If you think about what happens a little bit later in the episode, they show a package of stuff that happened to one of the women. And it is mm. so slow. Yeah. And we get all of the beats when nowadays we would just cut to the thing that was the dramatic thing. The climax right at the end. Right. Totally. Well, let's talk also about this, where Chris Harrison, he cues up this clip reel, which is centered around moments when the claws came out between the women at the mansion. Mm. A, a bit of a gross phrase, but something the producers are obviously determined to spotlight whenever they can. Um, but it's so interesting that what passed for, like, cattiness and reality TV squabbling in 2002 
does not stand up to the... Oh, my God. Like, producer-influenced, ludicrously high-pay... Like, you know, crazy drama that we're used to seeing these days. The stakes are so <laughs> low here. We see Trista say they're jealous, purely jealous, but we are not given the context of who's jealous of what. Kathy ITMs that she and Alexa did not hit it off, saying, quote, I didn't do anything to the girl. I don't know what is up her butt, but I just try and ignore her. There's a clip where Shannon forgets Angelique's name. Kathy in an ITM says that Trista is, quote, a little too wifey, which is not really an insult. And in fact, like in terms of bachelor parlance. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the first time that phrase is uttered, I think. Unless yeah, producers like that's were the first uh, entrance into the bachelor vernacular. True. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing the way that it's used these days. No. Um, and then back on the sofas, Lanice diplomatically says that when you put 25 women together, they're not always going to get along perfectly. And Amy says that uh, cliques, uh, clicks, is it clicks? Clicks. Um, clicks formed naturally, largely based on who they roomed with. And I could just feel like whoever is producing this thing or Chris Harrison just like clenching their fists, just being like, please say something more interesting. Like Someone people are changing the spicy. channel right now. Yeah. yeah. I but guess. Are they? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, is this what constitutes reality TV drama in 2002? Is this palatable enough True. for that audience at that time? That's a really good question. And also, I guess you've got a captive audience because anybody who is interested in The Bachelor is yes. watching this because they want to watch the finale. They're They've not going to got a runaway hit on their hands and they're tuning in at the t- time that they regularly would to watch The Bachelor. And, right. oh, look, maybe I'll get my question answered about what Trumpus is doing now. Yeah, exactly. Um, an element that you never see these days on these, but which is introduced here, is having an open forum for questions from the audience. Yeah. Which I really like. Um, somebody named Jenny asks why nobody rejected the rose. This has been this thread that's been dangling through every episode. Tina says she would have rejected her if she was offered one, but she didn't get the chance. And uh, Katie says the same. She wanted to turn one down just to validate that part of the show. But yeah, unfortunately, she was booted before she could. And then this boy-faced man, this <laughs> this little child, essentially, named Trevor, he's probably like 21, yeah. uh, asks a belter of a question specifically to Kim, the nanny named Kim. Do you think Alex only kept you around because you made out with him before the rose ceremony? I feel like I would not have the stones to ask that kind of a question, honestly. Great, great question from Trevor. It is the first time that the heat gets turned up truly on the show. Yeah. But Kim is game, and she gets it, and she laughs and says, he didn't even know who I was until I made out with him. Incredible. Great stuff. Uh, almost, almost begging the audience who is watching this to remember her, you know? Or not begging, you know, like right. forcing them to remember her. And we're about to be reminded in the next episode that this all took place over the course of five weeks. Right. Um, try getting to know 25 new people who all want to date you in the space of five weeks. And I think it's one of the lessons learned. Maybe we will talk about this next episode Mm. for the way that the show, which ended up being a runaway success, might manufacture itself into something greater in the future. Right. Um, Although I will say that Alex did have some pretty good assistance in terms of being able to look at framed portraits of them that were sitting on a nightstand. Yeah, it's so weird. So, you know, there really is no excuse. (laughs) It's so weird that they were actual animate human beings. (laughs) 
I mean, I agree. We've, we've brought them all back. The pictures right. of Krista, Trista, and the rest. <laughs> Krista. Cruskett. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So somebody asked if Shannon got to keep the jewels and the dress from her pretty woman date, which, of course, she didn't. Um, I believe in the newer seasons, they do get to keep some of that stuff. Cause it's I think all, so, too. It's all SponCon, and like they're likely to wear it in their Instagram posts that are shared to their millions of followers and um, that kind of stuff. But yeah, a bit of a shame for Shannon. Uh, I wonder if she got a compass back. I think that's Alex's to keep. <laughs> I guess. Does he want it around the house? With he, his, pointed, his he pointed him in the wrong direction. Well, that's that may be true. That may be true. Throw uh, it in the bin. It's clearly defective. <laughs> it's not working, yeah. Uh, the first ever Bachelor hot seat interview goes to 22-year-old graduate student Kathy, who copped a little bit of flack for being immature. This you, was bizarre to me. Do you mean the content or do you mean just the fact that she was chosen? Both. That she's the yeah. first person that you're speaking to and that the way that this was set up by Chris Harrison was like, everyone in the house thought that she was a total bitch and we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. to her now. Like, and w- that was not communicated to us as no, someone really. who has spent the last seven weeks watching this show. No, right. I, who? Yeah, but I mean, there have been one or two comments uh, that that maybe stick out of people pointing out that maybe she's too young. That she's 22 years old. Yes, right. but that's all of the story. And I understand that the framework means that all of this is taking place in 42 minutes. Hmm. But if we're saying she's the the butt of the season. She's the villain, essentially, here. Right, right. I need to see something to justify that. Yeah. Well, Kathy rebukes this narrative. She says, I like to have fun. I'm a very fun person. I'm a very honest person. You know, I was there for the right reasons. I don't know if Rhonda taught her that phrase. Uh, I was ready for a relationship, and I still am. And then Chris Harrison cues up this reel of never-before-seen moments of Kathy and honestly, maybe they should have stayed never before seen. <laughs> uh, we see Kathy making a big picture of margaritas. Not a framed picture, but um, uh, bef- <laughs> uh, before she's even had any, she's like spilling shit everywhere. She's mixing it with a big sharp knife. Um, and then we see shots of her drinking glass after glass of it throughout the course of a day until she gets up and leaves during a communal dinner. And then we cut to a shot of four of the women checking on her, legitimately quite concerned because she had passed out in the bathroom. This was frankly a little concerning. That they chose to air this? I mean, I don't know why they would choose to air it. It seems like they are inviting some kind of lawsuit here. Yeah, look, and then if we add in the context around it, the Chris Harrison's like, oh, she was such a delight. We all love to be around her. Like, they're trying to frame her in, in a particular way. Right. But the the way that it comes across 20 years later is like, this is dangerous for, for a lot of you. You know the what o- I mean? Yeah, totally. The only context that I can really view this through is the one that we're living in right now. Yeah. Um, but this, this 2002 episode takes place 15 years before the Bachelor in Paradise sexual misconduct scandal. Grim, through, yes. Like, the show has this lax attitude towards alcohol. Yeah. Um, where producers are giving alcohol to people during ITMs to make them more interesting. Like, it is mm. just like, mm. you know, it is sprinkled all over everything to to make it more juicy. Um, you know, nowadays, uh, 
contestants are restricted to two drinks an hour in the US, which is still pretty generous. Pretty generous, yeah. Um, But, you know, that is only because there is so much focus and, uh, you know, outside speculation into what's going on there, really. Yeah. Um, There's also a brief clip of her dancing, and that is the whole reel. (laughs) Thanks for coming, Kathy. We loved it. Yeah. You were a delight. You know, she she jokes with the audience like, hey, I like to have fun. Come on, you guys. And uh, Chris Harrison just openly mocks her. He says, you had a great time, obviously. Obviously. I mean, some of it you remember and some of it you don't. And I'm like, don't don't twist the knife, Chris. Levels of subtlety, Chris Harrison. Please and thank you. Uh, We will talk more about Chris Harrison's complete absence of subtlety as this episode proceeds. Uh, Kathy has come to terms with the fact that she and Alex weren't really a match. As far as marrying the guy, she says it probably wouldn't have worked out. Chris tries to get to the bottom of a beef that exists between Kathy and Alexa, but it really seems like there's nothing there. It barely seemed like anything was there to begin with. Um, Alexa says, maybe when I was 22, it'd be great going out and getting drunk, letting loose a little bit. I was never a big drinker anyway, so maybe that played a role in it. I'm just like, the way they are squashing these beefs is the least compelling television I can imagine. It's, It's flatly boring. Yeah. Is what it is. And this has to have informed future seasons of this has to have informed the way that we now perceive the the tell alls because the first one went so far to make drama and tension go away and dissipate and provide a happy ending that somewhere along the way they've realized like no do you know what actually is interesting people fighting yeah and the people have also realized that that is what's interesting definitely yes because I, I can imagine at this point what they want to do, particularly not necessarily knowing how big of a show it is or would be, they're just interested in kind of saving their reputation a little bit sure. at this point. Yes. Whereas later on, you want to be as big of a character as possible. Uh, well, as if sensing the, uh, <laughs> the mood shifting in the room, Chris Harrison asks a final question saying, what's new with you with a devilish glint with his eye? And Kathy reveals, well, I colored my hair a little. And then she pushes up her chest a bit and says, I enhanced myself. And Chris Harrison is tantalized and desperate for more. And he says, in what way? And Kathy says, "Um, in the chest region. Uh, In my life, I always wanted them and it wasn't happening naturally. So I figure, you know, you fix your car, you fix your life. I fixed myself. And I'm just like, thank you so much, Chris Harrison and The Bachelor, for continuing to ask the really important questions. This is the second time this season that a woman has asked, been asked directly about her breast implants. Yes, yes. Uh, it is a more major plot thread than many of the women who have flown in to participate on the show's oh, entire lives. You know? yeah. Look, and we talk about the male gaze yeah. uh, quite a bit on this show. And I just want to say that Look, I think that on this platform, we are pro-male pro gays and female gays. Well, yeah, non-binary gays, uh, yeah. wherever, wherever gays may appear on this platform. Yeah, look, if you, are, um, if, if, you are, um, if, if you are the gays, we, uh, we are here for you on the on the We support you, and honestly, we're really excited to watch your season of Bachelorette. Or there you go. It's already started. Or, yep. you know. uh, yes, very true. Uh, our beloved Rhonda gets the next hot seat. We replay the pretty troubling footage of her anxiety attack from the end of episode three. 
And as they pull back from the cliff, Rhonda says, what do you say? And Chris says, it's so painful to watch. And I can't imagine how painful it is for you to watch. During that piece, I said, do you hate watching that? And you were like, yeah. Chris Harrison is just thriving here because of the (laughs) fucking torture and torment that he's inflicting on Rhonda. Right. And so this segment, Rhonda sort of says, look, I also have asthma. I have a bunch of stuff. No one's talking about mental health at this time. Um, She sort of gives the play-by-play of how this might have happened for her. And then at the end of it, Chris Harrison kind of says, look, yeah, I know you didn't want to talk about that. And she's like, yeah, I really didn't want to talk about that. Yeah. Thanks so much for making me fucking talk about it, even though we talked about how I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. The explanation she gives is like, Alex actually made a rude comment to her on the night that she was booted. So on some level, she was kind of glad to be going home, but then the emotions all piled up and they hit her all at once once she left. This sounds pretty familiar. You know, she says... It sounds like a panic attack. Right. She says, it all started to hit me. I was angry. I was upset and I couldn't breathe because, you know, I do have asthma and that scared me. So I'm scared. I'm crying and I don't want to be crying. And next thing you know, it's over, you know, from bad to, from bad to worse. Um, which like, yeah, I hope that Rhonda has uh, in the years between then and now um, uh, found out what the root of this is and, you know, been able to make some steps to... She's doing all right. Yeah, exactly. Um, she does reassure the audience that she's doing better now at least with regards to that incident so that's good up next in the hot seat is shumpus or shannon we call i'm calling her shumpus i put it in the notes yes uh she is described by chris as quote the odds-on favorite on several bachelor websites and it's as if he knows that she was your pick right yeah i feel like he has gazed into the future and been like max queen on a podcast (laughs) i think shumpus has got it Um, After her highlight reel, Chris apologizes for causing one of the bigger fights between Shumpus and Alex by giving him the key to the fantasy suite. I think it makes it so much weirder to think that it was Chris, like, and not the producers. When he's like, I have to... I have to take, uh, you know, the blame for that one. I'm like, no, dude, you want to step away from that, I think. You don't want to take any amount of blame for that. I've always thought it was so weird that... Yeah, I've always thought it was so weird that the the date night card is signed off like from Chris. Yeah, I'm like, don't you? This is not a role that you need to take on, my friend. You do not need to be the what inter interlocutor, the interfuckutor. <laughs> he's the he's the gatekeeper uh, of. Uh, I'm trying to think of a pun. I got nothing. Um, copy gate. Copy gatekeeper is not terrible. Not the best though. Sound off in the comments. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Shannon says, I don't have all these rules that he thought that I had. I just like to take things slow. I don't see what the rush is. And if I'd have known that the envelope was coming, I would have handled it in a big, in a better way. Shannon says that Alex had led her to believe that she wouldn't be sent home and that she'd be meeting his parents. So as she was leaving, she had to find out what changed and couldn't let him off the hook. I think we talked about this. Mm. Uh, Chris asks how her dog Avery's doing and Shumpus says she's really happy that she's back. That is basically all we get from Shumpus. Closure. Thank goodness. (laughs) I guess. An audience member named Christine asks Melissa the 25-year-old photographer from Tempe, Arizona, who sat on Alex's lap in the bus on episode two. What made her feel so confident that she would be getting a rose tonight? 
And she says that they had talked about how they had both been to Cabo San Lucas, a resort city at the southern tip of the Baja California Peninsula in the Mexican state of Baja California Sur, which I knew about and didn't have to Google. Um, And so they had that in common. And Alex had told her, when we get down to our single dates, I would love to try and pull some strings and get us to go to Cabo together. That is interesting. That that it seems like he has done that to more than one person. I'm just saying, like, yeah, when we get to the end, it's definitely gonna be you or me, and we're gonna, you know, this is what we'll do. The other thing that Melissa reports is that he would flatter her and compliment certain body parts, and Chris Harrison sensing another opportunity with a wicked grint grint? With a Rupert grint in his eyes, asks which body parts to which <laughs> Melissa says, well, like Kathy here, and Chris chuckles with heterosexual delight and says, the old Kathy or the new Kathy? Oh, Christ. (sighs) It's like such a primary motivator of this episode of television is like finding out what is happening inside everybody's shirts, you know? Chris. I do think that this is... uh, a thread that runs throughout the season. I guess maybe we will pick it up again when we talk about the finale. Mm. But just the... the I have tried to leave a little breadcrumb trail throughout these episodes of Alex, Michelle... Well, you know what? I haven't tried to leave a breadcrumb trail. There is a breadcrumb <laughs> trail. very explicit. There, the, uh, Alex, Michelle is a boob guy. And I think that, that motivates him... In a, in a very primal way, throughout basically all of his decisions. Uh, power to him. We'll talk about it more later. Um, Katie, who barely registered on the show, her main thing was that she said the best parts of her time on the group date were those shared smiles where nothing was said at all. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> she says... I've never been set up on so many dates in my life since coming off the show. Everybody thinks after doing this that you can't find a man. Everyone's like, I have this perfect guy for you. And I'm like, all right. But on the downside too, every guy's like, were you really trying to get married? So it's like, that girl just wants a husband. Oh, no. There's a lot of this stuff too, which I feel like is is rich. uh, And of the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just, you know, this like... Every Friends episode or every rom-com from this yes. time period or whatever would always be, like, um, dudes talking about how, like, oh, I want to I find a girl, but all they want is just to get a ring on their finger. <laughs> and like, all this stuff, it's so worn out, you know? Uh, we shift focus towards the final two, Amanda and Trista, with a long and well-padded montage of clips, which... I think, frankly, make up most of the footage that we've seen of both of them in the show so far. Truly. Everything is in here. Um, There are also some clips from the finale which hasn't aired yet, which is kind of a strange choice because it's going to air, like, right after this, but I don't know. Um, We pull away from the footage to reveal Kim crying and Shannon not far behind. Kim says, Amanda's such a great girl. Her and I made an awesome connection in the house. I just hope she's the one. And Chris asks the group who thinks Trista might be the one that Alex chooses. And it's crickets. Nobody raises their hands except for Amber. I I slowed down the footage and looked. There's only one person. And it's almost after a beat. 
Mm. And I feel like Amber is doing an incredible play here. Amber is a business development director from LA who is on screen for about 10 seconds in episode one, and that's it. But she takes this opportunity for screen time. She is like sensing that no one else is putting her hand up. And by putting her hand up, she will be asked to comment. And she runs with it. You can feel her stretching her sentence out just to keep her face on screen. (laughs) It is as bad as me writing recaps for our podcast so that I, (laughs) my own voice is in the episode. Uh, She says, yeah, I do. I think that um, Trista is getting a little bit of a hard time for having her walls up and people are kind of portraying her as being kind of cold hearted. And I think that we can all relate to being maybe a a bit guarded when you first meet a man and not willing to just jump out there with with your emotions. And she really truly has like taken a leap in the process and really opened herself up. And I think from the get go, he's been interested in her and they've had a spark from the get. It is 30 seconds of pure filler but it is bliss this is my favorite part of this episode it made me laugh so much that she's just like <gasps> cameras uh, 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 uh trista she's having a, a hard time but she's oh her what don't know about up, trista? let's go yeah uh, and me i wouldn't uh, anyway yeah <laughs> uh but lanice gets the final word on this episode she says this is a tough situation to be in i mean it's really hard to explain anything about it how you cried about this guy one day but you're supposed to get over it the next or mm. how you could say how he could say you could be the mother of his children and then he can get rid of you the next day. And Chris <laughs> says he was put in a really tough spot. Boo-hoo. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to jump up and defend the guy, but I didn't envy the position he was in at all. Oh, Chris, you have made a made a killing of, of defending the wrong people for the wrong reasons. So <laughs> That's true. That is true. He got his start here. It's just nice to see where it all began. Right. And then he, you know, he, he tees it up. He says, the moment we've all been waiting for, the final episode of The Bachelor starts now. We will not be talking about it right now. It, it made more sense to do this episode and then what we're going to do next. And then follow that up with a separate episode about the finale. Because there's so much to get into. So we will be back to cover the thrilling conclusion next week. There was one thing I wanted to talk about with regards to this episode that we haven't mentioned, which is the little bits of trivia that they scattered throughout the show as a lead into each commercial break. Yeah. These were fun. I kind of feel like they should bring them back. Um, there's there's five of them. So we, we hear, during the filming of The Bachelor, 105 bottles of champagne were consumed. I wonder if that number's gone up or down since then. I don't know. 25 women. Twenty. So let's say 26 people. Divided by how many bottles, how many alcohols are in a standard? Okay, so let's just say, okay. <laughs> let's um, do this math. Okay, so what we're looking at is 7.1 standard drinks per bottle of champagne. So the quick maths here is I'm going to go 105 bottles by 7.1 women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to divide that number by 26, which is the number of women in the house plus Alex. Right. And... We arrive at about 28.6 standard drinks per person over the course of five weeks, which 35 days divided by 35 equals less than a standard drink a day per person. That kind of sucks, honestly. They got kind of a raw deal. of a drink. I will say, actually, though, that most of those people were gone very quickly. Like Absolutely. night one, ten of them are gone. Oh, look, we're looking at um, by by the time that uh, sweet Krista, Kathy. <laughs> Krista. Well, Goodness gracious. <laughs> By the time that, that Kathy's rolling around with her margaritas, mm. 
that has increased by the exponent. Yeah, I wonder if she is doing the margaritas because they're out of champagne at that point. They're like, we ordered 100. We thought that would be enough. We went out and bought out the local bottler. They had five bottles left. And she's like, more. <laughs> she's I'm like, fun. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Uh, oh, I don't want to make too much fun of her. No, um, I like her. Yeah. Uh, I, I should clarify also that we don't know that it was 105 bottles of champagne consumed by the participants of the show. It could have all been in the producer's room. Also true. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much cocaine was consumed. <laughs> <laughs> that stat is missing. Uh, 22 of the 25 women have received college degrees. I assume that was prior to going on the show, not during. <laughs> uh, Alex An made out... love doctorate. <laughs> uh, Alex made out with seven of the 25 women on his season. That's shocking. That feels super low to me. It feels so low. And if you think about it, now you would be... The Bachelor knocking that out of the park on night one. Totally. I, I'm trying to think of a Bachelor who has remained that chaste throughout even the first week. Very it's, hard. It's really, it's not, you know, it's so expected that kissing everybody is a big part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess maybe not at this point. I wonder if he like copped flat. Like, I feel like the only reason that they include this statistic is because they're like, wow, that's a lot of people to kiss. Because... You know, in a normal situation, I guess, maybe that is more people than you would kiss over a six-week period. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Um, not for us, obviously. We're, we're no, 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 no. But, uh, number of miles traveled by The Bachelor on air, sea, and land to pursue the woman of his dreams? 19,859. That's like 20 Carltons. <laughs> That's like 40 Proclaimers. <laughs> That's like 2,482 M&M's. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's really good. That's really good. (laughs) See, we can both do maths. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got a calculator, not to brag. (laughs) Uh, And number of times Shannon cried on dates with The Bachelor. 12. This just feels so cruel. That poor woman. I know. And the fact that like nobody is stepping in to help her. They're just fucking keeping a tally. Yeah. They're, They're just like, like this will oh. make for a juicy little uh, <laughs> factoid. It's fucked up. Here's what's going to happen. 20 years have passed since the first time that this show aired. There is 20 years of air between the women on this series and me and you right now, Xavier RN. Right. So, top secret. What did they do Max between... Max keep out. What did they do between these breaths of air? What have they done between these breaths of air? Okay, so I'm going to work my way up from the bottom of the list. And uh, so there is something to build towards at the end of this episode. Um, you know, the, the people that we know the most will be at the end. But I promise you that interesting things have been happening to basically all of these people. Um, and I'm going to tell you what I could find out from, you know, a, a quick... I, unfortunately, I want to preface this by saying I didn't have enough time to do a really deep dive. So this is just what I could find out. On short notice, like, we take two episodes last week, we're doing two this week, uh, you know. This is just what I was able to gather. So, Wendy, the technology specialist from Dallas, Texas. Full name, Wendy Plotnik Childress, is married. Well, I think one of them was... I think she was Wendy Plotnik, and now she's Wendy Plotnik Childress. It doesn't doesn't get better. (laughs) Lengthening it just to distract from Plotnik is not... (laughs) 
I don't know. It's not necessarily helping. Uh, she's married. She works for a mortgage broker. Seems to have about two kids, one of whom plays baseball. She has no Instagram, but she has 28 followers on Twitter. And her most recent post was, whoop, what a game on October 10th of this <laughs> year. Uh, also, in 2012, she posted on the Facebook wall of the shops at Highland Village, uh, and her post was, This heritage mom loves to grab a coffee at the corner bakery. So that's what Wendy's up to. <laughs> this was your I've only done a cursory glance version. This is what I could get from the top layer of Google. You know My what I mean? word. Continue. Continue. Okay. I'm so ready. Rachel Lanzalotto, the fun, wild sixth grade teacher from East Chester, New York. I'm going to have to bring these people up while you're talking. Sure, please So do that I guess. can actually have a face-to-face. Yes. Um, US cast. Um, I, I want it known as well that not all of these surnames were publicly available. Like, <laughs> I not to... <laughs> I, I can ruin the bit now that I have done a great deal of looking into these people. I, I think I have done more research on this topic than anybody else in history. Because, like, if you go on the Wikipedia page for Bachelor Season 1, some of these surnames are not on there. But mm-hmm. I I dug them up. You found them, and you're making I'm them public for the first time. Essentially doxing these people. Uh, I'm trying to tread around, uh, you know, anybody that didn't want to be found or whatever. But Okay, fair enough. But Wendy Plotnick definitely wanted to be found. Now, the name of this next person is what now? Rachel Lanzalotto, the fun, wild sixth grade teacher from East Chester, New York, was a little bit hard to track down. The first lead that I found was her Twitter feed, which hasn't been updated in almost 10 years. But her bio on Twitter says that she has since moved from being a sixth grade teacher and is now a fifth grade teacher. Wow. She has 87 followers. Her last tweet was on January 1st, 2013, which reads, do you want to guess what she posted on January 1st, 2013? Happy New Year. That's right. You got it. Yeah. Um, thank you. I found, I found a more recent listing on LinkedIn where I learned that as of 2019, she is now a self-employed cupcake decorator. I also found a gossip piece in the New York Daily News from 2008, which alleges that New York Yankee captain Derek Jeter... Derek Jeter! ...had been seeing a lot of her at that time. And it also says that Rachel Lanzalotto appeared in Law and Order and Spider-Man the movie. That's wild. So I scoured the IMDb page for Spider-Man the movie... And the only Rachel mentioned plays a character called Times Square Child. The movie would have been shot just before The Bachelor. She would have been 29 years old. It is unlikely that that's her. And so, therefore, I don't know if she had a fling with Derek Jeter. But anyway, I had to include it because it sounded juicy. Incredible. Pretty good. Paula, the insurance representative from Swansea, Massachusetts who ITM'd, I was supposed to get married, have kids, and pretty much die. I never thought that I would come out to California to meet possibly my husband. I could not find any information about Paula at all, not even a surname. Bye, Paula. I wish her well. I hope she did not pretty much die. (laughs) Lisa Gold, the intimidating attorney from Dallas, Texas has worked steadily as a lawyer over the past 20 years, including nearly nine years in her current role at an emerging manufacturing company in the fashion industry. 
in 2013. She was profiled by Texas Lawyer, a website I know well, I don't know, uh, where she spoke about her open plan office space. And I quote, Nobody has a closed office. I don't have a cube at all, just a desk. And 10 feet away from me, looking at me, is the chief financial officer sitting at his desk. That situation sounds, frankly, a little intimidating. But <laughs> we wish her nothing but success. Christina Jenkins, the advertising executive from LA who said she could count on two hands the number of dates she's been on. But now... Well, I don't know anything about her personal life, but she is a big wheel in advertising. She is currently head of strategy for an agency whose clients include Instagram, Google, HBO, FX, and Taco Bell. You may have heard of some of those brands. Wow. She is also on Instagram with 111 followers and Twitter with 84 followers. Good for you, Christina. Hello, Christina. (laughs) You looking at a picture of her? Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Let's talk about Jill. Do you remember Jill by name? I feel like we're getting closer towards... I mean, these are still people who got eliminated night one, so I don't think you no, remember No, I don't remember actually. Jill. Jill, uh, in brackets, Gossa, and then Stormont, because she has changed her surname. Uh, she was the retail manager from Chicago. Um, she was managing MAC Cosmetics, or MAC Cosmetics. MAC Cosmetics, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Not the the whole brand. She was ma- oh. she was managing a Mac Cosmetics location at Marshall Fields when she was approached by a casting agent who would not leave her alone until she signed up. Um, she I'm just giving you the background. She spent about a minute with Alex Michelle, was booted on night one, but she is now a cosmetic marketing specialist who has been really active in the last year in commercials and modeling. She has a husband, a dog, and a family. Her Instagram page is very active. She has 941 followers. And frankly, I have a huge fucking crush on her. Oh, wow. She looks fantastic. She's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I also learned from her Twitter page that she was Cindy Lauper's makeup artist when she first went on tour with Cher and did Cindy Lauper's episode of VH1's Behind the Music with her, which aired in September 2002, just after The Bachelor. No way. This is, like, a big deal. Cool. What a good person. She's, like, living the dream. Good on you, Jill. Good on you, Jill. Jackie, the 22-year-old bar manager from Pittsburgh, is nowhere to be seen online. All I can tell you is that her mum was rooting for her on night one, and we are rooting for you too, Jackie, wherever you are. Be well. Denise Kelleher, I think. Kala, maybe? The doctor from Honolulu. I remember her. Mm -hmm. Denise was profiled in a terrific article from 2001 in the Honolulu Star Bulletin, the now defunct second largest daily newspaper in the state of Hawaii. And it follows four hopeful Hawaiian residents' progress in applying for the forthcoming show called The Bachelor. This was a great find. Uh, I recommend people read this article. I'll link it in the description below. Denise apparently made a great impression, giving thoughtful answers to the interviewer's questions while, quote, dressed in royal blue leather slacks and a glittery dark top cinched above her pierced belly button. From that article, I got her surname, and from that I was able to find out that she is now a forensic psychiatry specialist in California, 
She is a board-certified forensic psychiatrist with expertise in assessing sexual behaviours and diagnosing sexual disorders. Sick. And without even trying, I found her CV up to date from like a couple of years ago, which is seven pages long. Oh my God, Denise. And it also includes her phone number and emails and stuff. And I, at this point, was like, I should probably not be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have somehow crossed a boundary. Listeners, we will link it in the comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to link the PDF. Yep. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Daniela Ferdico, the neuropsychologist from Seattle, was not hard to track down. I typed in Daniela Neuropsychologist into Google and she was the top result. And I was oh, like, Daniela. is that extremely good SEO on her part? Is that very good luck that nobody else named Daniela is as big in the field or whatever? Or at this point, I'm thinking like, is my search history just completely fucked from doing this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we know what you're looking for. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, The Seattle Times profiled Daniela on the day of the premiere of this season, and in this piece, she discusses wanting to see the inside of a dating show from a psychologist's perspective, which is really interesting. I'm also going to link that in the comments. And she ends it with this barb, which I think is great because the episode hasn't even aired yet. She goes, definitely some of the girls found him attractive. I can say that. (laughs) Oh, great. Well done. Um, But she continues to kick goals as a neuropsychologist to this day. She founded a... Excuse me. The beer makes you burp. Has anyone talked about this? We're cracking this thing wide open on the podcast. Uh, She founded a non-profit called Sensory Access, which is dedicated to making theater, concerts, sports, and other events more accessible to people with sensory processing difficulties. And she rules. That's yeah, great. She, she's fucking incredible. She has two teenagers. She goes to gigs all the time. Like, she rules. Um, there, I saw, and this, again, felt a little like, I should stop scrolling. But I saw, like, one of her kids met Billie Eilish. Cool. I'm like, yeah, great. They, like, stage daughter, I guess. I don't know. Uh, her Instagram has 105 followers. Uh, I can't remember. I think maybe I started following. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Amber, the business development director from LA, was looking for a guy with direction and focus. Me? I'm just looking for Amber, and I can't find her. Mm. Can't find her anywhere. No. So that's all the women who were eliminated in week one, right? Correct. Yes, that's right. Uh, On to week two. Um, Tina Chen, the graduate student from Plano, Texas, who loves Kathy to death, but, you know, Kathy's 22. So... So, now, these are these are the women who we got to see go on the five-on-one group dates, right? That's true, yeah. Okay, cool. So, I am starting to have some familiarity with who some of these people are. Tina, I remember. Hmm. Tina was a little hard to track down, and I'm not sure if I found her. Uh, I thought maybe she might be an ophthalmologist in Fort Worth, Texas. Like, the you know, the area seems to line up. Um she, uh, you know, this ophthalmologist enjoys spending time with her husband and family, salsa dancing and traveling, but there's also a good chance that's not her. It was a bit hard to tell. Anyway, we love Tina to death, regardless of her <laughs> age. Um, I was dismayed that I couldn't find any more inf- information on photographer Melissa, 
who sat oh, that's on, a hard one. Yeah, who sat on Alex's lap on the bus. We talked to her about it earlier. She reminded Alex that he was closer with Trista than with her and then promptly got booted. I feel like she seemed to uh she seemed to be able to tell the decades of of torture that would come from this franchise. Mm. But she has retreated into hiding. I hope that she is sitting somewhere a little bit more comfortable now. Incredible that she has scrubbed herself from the internet. Well done, Melissa. Yeah, look, I uh, I, I applaud anybody who um, is not... I mean, I don't know. It's all murky, you know? I, I applaud brief. all of them for whatever, you know? Of course, yeah. But, like, for you, I applaud you. 25-year-old Melissa photographer from Tempe, Arizona. Go. I don't blame you. Sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, Katie, who we talked about earlier for enjoying the parts of her group date where neither of them were talking. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, as far as an online presence goes, or even a surname, she doesn't seem to be talking much either. Doesn't seem to have one. Wow. She did say that she wanted to be the one to turn down a rose. So perhaps by moving out of the spotlight and of the world of The Bachelor, she has kind of, in a way, managed to finally achieve that goal. Oh, full circle. That's very nice yeah. for Katie. I'm willing to pay her for that. Uh, yeah. Reach out with your PayPal. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> okay, let's talk about Angelique DeLuca, stage name Angelique Madrid, the actress who was the first to steal The Bachelor away for a one-on-one chat. Do you remember her? Can I steal you away for a minute? Right. That was her classic line. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she has continued to find work in the film industry, um, both as an actress. Uh, she has played a secretary in two different Power Rangers projects. That rules. Congratulations. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, and as a producer, for example, a Luke Wilson movie from this year called 12 Mighty Orphans. And if there's a oh, if there's a Wilson that you want to be working with, from the three Wilson brothers, mm-hmm. I would say the power order is um, number one Luke, mm-hmm. number two Rain, number mm-hmm. three Owen. Owen's down the bottom for you. Oh yeah, no, wow. um, I think um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in two thousand nine, she married Michael DeLuca, and they have a daughter together. Michael is a Hollywood producer with dozens of really fucking great credits. I went through and looked at him on Letterboxd. He is a producer on The Social Network, on Magnolia, which we've talked about on this podcast, on The Mask. And like, you know, there are a few questionable movies in there, like Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which is unfortunately one of the worst ones of those. Um, the Love Guru, which is a oh boy. real yeah. mess. And The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, not one of the top Texas Chainsaw Massacres IMO. But then the weirdest one, the weirdest credit here, and I know I'm talking more about Angelique's husband than Angelique, but you have to, you have to be with me here on this one. This is the Batchdale test. This man is the top listed producer on a 1999 film starring Chris O'Donnell and Rene Zellweger called The Bachelor. No way. So... We were talking about this movie when we were doing our Bachelor Extended Universe series, which we might someday get back to. This was like the next episode we were going to tape about this movie, which I watched and sucks. (laughs) But uh, yeah, isn't that strange? So before they even met, 
She right. was like, I was on The Bachelor, and he was, he was like, like, Oh no, no shit, I don't I remember you. that movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> isn't that crazy? That's cool. I have that movie on DVD, uh, so we <laughs> we actually have to do that episode at some point because I'm eight dollars in uh, on that already <laughs> in, in podcast debt. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Angelique is on socials. She has 296 followers on Instagram and about 2,000 followers on Twitter. So Good for her. Yeah, go for it. Angela, the Hooters waitress slash insurance agent who got soap in her eye and got sent home because of it, was impossible to track down, unfortunately. Did you try typing in soapy eye, yucky <laughs> Angela? <laughs> Yeah, Did you try uh, typing in Yucky Soap Angela Hooters? Look, I tried a lot of combinations of Angela Hooters Waitress Bachelor Arizona, and most of the results were pornography. <laughs> <laughs> and I was pretty confident that it wasn't her in them. I did watch all of them just to make sure, um, and I was pretty thoroughly, you know, um, looking at all, all of them. Um, but yep. I'm pretty confident that wasn't her. Did um, you find yourself asking what's new at any time? <laughs> I guess they would be kind of not quite so new anymore, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, she uh, she was tough to track down. I did not find her. I guess that she didn't remain a Hooters waitress for the next 20 years of her life, which is why the Google results weren't coming up for Angela Hooters waitress. Um, but, you know, she she was, as well as being a Hooters waitress, she was a insurance agent. And she was the first person who was injured on set of The Bachelor. So I hope that she is living somewhere happily off the insurance payout from that injury. I <laughs> hope so too. <laughs> really good. All right. Let's talk about Amy Anzel, the production coordinator from New York. Uh, Amy has had a pretty incredible career. She has performed on stage worldwide in musical theatre. She played Marty, one of the pink ladies in the European tour of Greece. I wow. went I went deep on the Greece wiki to find out I which saw, one Marty was. I saw was. you do a tweet about the Greece wiki, and I was like, "How is what is that going to happen <laughs> what here? What that have to do with? Yeah, I was like, it's oh, my retirement, Greece. Because I, <laughs> I just knew she was Marty, and I'm like, who's Marty? Is that the main guy? <laughs> <laughs> One of the pink ladies, of course, is short for like Martinelli or something. I'm going to cop flack mm. from the Grace community now. I got to double check Grace Wiki Marty. Look, uh, if if it is a comfort to you, listeners, uh, we are not in the pocket of Big Grace here on the Boh Pub. We are staunchly editorially independent. We are electromatic. We are hydromatic. <laughs> Tell us about Marty. Uh, her name is Martina Maraschino. She's one of the protagonists oh. in the movie Grace, and one of the members of the Pink Ladies. Her boyfriend, of course, is Sunny. And, you know, she tries to act sophisticated. She's generally kind, but can be uninterested with conversations unless they are more about her or juicy gossip. Uh, in summer nights, she doesn't seem to care about what Sandy is saying, along with Rizzo. But Marty is very concerned with appearing mature and not seeming juvenile. Are you are just listening to this and thinking, like, I'm going to cut this later. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, for more info on Marty Maraschino, check out grease.fandom.com. Not the country. Hey, Zavi. Yeah, what's up? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Holy shit. This is the best podcast in history. Oh, we do a really good job. Five stars on iTunes. Uh, She was in the US national tour of Annie. I did not go to Annie Wiki. Um, I think I know enough about that. Um, (laughs) She also produced a musical version of Happy Days, which she also appeared in, and she like is in photos with Henry Winkler backstage, and this like did a big full tour. This is like a big successful production. Henry Winkler, the Fonz. The Fonz. Yeah. What, do you not know? No, of course I. Okay, don't. good. Yeah, he's the he's the shark jumper. He is. Right. Um, but he's a he's also the Fonz. Right. Exactly. Um, she has done literally hundreds of commercials and jingles and all sorts of other roles. She's also the founder and CEO of a multi-award winning beauty tools brand. And she is also, this shocked me, she is set to appear in the upcoming season 16 of The Apprentice UK. Oh. She's relocated to London and she has been, like there was a The Sun article that had photos of her in a big group of other people I don't recognize from being UK celebrities or whatever, uh, oh, shooting the opening uh, sequence of The Apprentice. Incredible for her. Good mm. stuff. She has 2,382 followers on Twitter and 3,108 on... Oh, hang on. I said Twitter twice. One of these is Instagram. Anyway, who cares? The last week two cast off is Alexa, the special ed teacher from Beverly Hills, the first person to gift the bachelor with something to remember her by has unfortunately been forgotten. Bye, Alexa. In episode two, she hoped that her next experience with Alex would have had uh, would have no cameras involved, and now it seems that minus the presence of Alex, she has got her wish. So we wish her all the very best. That is it for week two eliminations. Now we're getting on to people who you definitely know. Mm-hmm. These are the the real final. What, These eight? are the all stars. Yeah. These are the all star. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you see Steve Harwell left Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Smash Mouth didn't break up. Steve Harwell, the guy from Smash Mouth, left Smash Mouth. What does that leave them with? Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I feel and like to answer your question, answer, but yeah, I am singing for Smash Mouth now. <laughs> Sweet, perfect, precious Rhonda Rittenhouse. We did a little bit of a deep dive on her earlier in this season. She is an actor, model, and licensed marriage and family therapist based out of Florida. She has an extensive CV, including work at Disney's Avatar Pandora Attractions, supporting and lead roles in indie movies, including two so far this year. She is married and has three kids. She is active-ish on Instagram with 98 followers, including Max Quinn and Xavier N. And according to her resume, which I found, has weapons training, including semi-automatic oh my rifles. God. How did you find her re- I don't want to know. I don't remember. Um, I was deep <laughs> at this point. This is probably midnight. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I only have nice things to say about her um, and her automatic <laughs> rifles. And uh, we, we wish her well. Uh, let's talk about Lanice Adams. Uh, Lanice, of course, the first person to receive a kiss on The Bachelor, has continued to pursue an acting career to quite a bit of success. She is still getting roles, especially in TV and shorts, and has been since 2002. 
Um, interestingly, I found out she was actually in the film clip for the Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule song Ain't It Funny remix that we talked about back in our first oh, no episode. Way. I like didn't look at that video and she is in it, which is crazy. That's cool. Um, but yeah, along with her acting work, she founded an organic mineral aromatherapy line called Fountain of Youth Bath. Um, but this success that she's enjoying now didn't come all too easily. Um, she said at the time that she didn't have a bad experience on the show, but she faced racist backlash after coming off the show and found herself unable to cope with criticism of the interracial kiss, um, mm. both from white audiences and also from her black community. Yeah. Like one can, you can only imagine the tone of the cultural community at, uh, of the cultural commentary at that time. Like, yeah, I feel like discourse as kind of, horrific as it can be these days um had has also evolved a decent way since then um and yeah it's, it's almost like I, all you need to know is the boob discourse sure yeah totally you know what i mean like uh, uh, and then amplify that through the prism of of race relations mm. and mm. goodness gracious yeah um she's been interviewed a fair bit over the years because obviously being the first person mm. to receive a kiss on the bachelor being the first black person to receive a kiss yada yada um, means that she is a really significant figure and she has spoken candidly um, about the anxiety and depression that she faced during this time, um, as well as a period of self-medication and addiction um, for which she was eventually hospitalized. Um, thankfully, she's doing quite a bit better these days and her words on this topic are super meaningful. Um, I have a couple of articles that I'm going to share in the comments that, uh, you know, I just feel like Obviously, she has got more to say about this stuff than I ever could. Her perspective is really valuable. Mm. Um, and there are just some great pieces being written. Even like um, there, there is a piece that was published a few days ago in the Washington Post entitled, What Does Reality TV Owe Black Women? And that's a really good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Christina Stencil. <laughs> the attorney. No. From... <laughs> you don't think so? Christina? No. She's hovering around in this area. Yeah, she's the one that I also <laughs> had to look at. three-dimensional to me. <laughs> uh, hey, that's a great point. Uh, the attorney from Bonita, California. Despite her surname being recorded and being on the Wikipedia page, she has faded from visibility, as, at least as far as I could tell. I found somebody who might be her on Goodreads, <laughs> who has apparently been reading Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park since July of 2020. <laughs> But that's like all that I could find out. So we wish her the best. We hope she enjoys her book. If she, if that's not her, Christina, if you're out there, you're listening, check out Jurassic Park. You gotta it's read it. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> they got dinosaurs. I mean, there's a spoiler, but they got dinosaurs in there. It's cool. They got some of that shit in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, look, well, Christina Stencil, hopefully um, someone can, can color in a fuller picture soon. <laughs> Right. If that's what she wants. Or maybe, you know, she's... Yeah, anyway. Uh, this is a really sad one. Um, I was curious to see if there would be a really sad one, and there's a really sad one. Um, uh -huh. Kathy Grimes, um, a graduate student and an extremely vibrant presence on this season who was really short-served by a reel of clips that aired in this episode... Um, tragically died in an avalanche near Jackson Hole, Wyoming in 2016 at the age of 36. 
Damn. Yeah. Um, she was skiing with a real estate agent and surfer from Sydney known as Big Wave Dave, which unfortunately is Ooh. quite funny. Um, but it is. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I kind of had to say that, but um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's very sad. Her life was tragically cut short. Um, to honor her life and legacy, there is a scholarship for female student athletes in her name at the Terre Haute North Vigo High School, which is her alma mater. Um, so that is it for the week three cast-offs. Let's talk about the nanny. The nanny named Kimberly Faye Carrells was... Well, well. Mm-hmm. She was really, really, really hard to track down. Uh, I have a pretty good feeling that I found her in the June 2012 edition of a local newspaper in Minnesota called the Ortonville Independent, just above ads for Pioneer Meat Market and Hooters Lumber. (laughs) She is in the paper because she is marrying Francis Zizek Owens in March of 2012. And thanks to this article, I can tell you quite a bit about the dress. An ivory ball gown designed by Vera Wang with a corded lace bodice and a lavishing feather light layer of tulle on the skirt with a she matching a sash and fully lined train. Um, her headpiece was tulle and ivory feathers. I know all that about the dress. I do not know much more about Kim. We sincerely hope that she enjoys her new life. And that her boyfriend, now husband, does not kick her out in one of those crushing scenes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still didn't see it coming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, this is the last one. Let's talk about Shumpus. I want to know where Shumpus is. In the year following The Bachelor, Shumpus, oh, they laid out the red carpet for Shumpus. She got to go on The View and be asked whether she's setting women back. She got to, yeah, she got to model swimsuits outdoors on Good Morning America while announcers said this was a great style, quote, for her body type. This is good stuff. Mm, That's what you want. Absolutely. Um, I also found a December 2002 interview with her on a website called superhair.net, which, let's just say has the kind of hyper-specific focus that you only find on certain (laughs) corners of the internet (laughs) Uh, and the kind of design that you only see in the 2002 internet, maybe a page that hasn't Mm. been frequently updated since then. Um, Thankfully, there was a little bit more out there for her. Um, She left the finance world where she was working at the time of the show and started dabbling in acting, presenting and hosting events. She has appeared in a few films and shorts, as well as being invited back on to the first season of The Bachelorette, where she came in as an advisor, which we will maybe talk about again sometime in the future. Okay. Okay. As well as last year's The Bachelor, the greatest season ever, along with Lanise and Rhonda. So they were both invited to speak about their experience a little bit more. 
Uh, her YouTube channel, which I will post in the description. I hope I remember to do all these. Um, her YouTube channel is great. It is public. You can look at it guilt-free. It has a bunch of clips from her media appearances over the years, including those ones that I mentioned, not the super hair one. Uh, but also, like, you know, she does a Radio Shack ad where she raves about the brand new Motorola Razr. She's like, you got to right. check out this phone. It's so good. Um, that was... I was ad-libbing there. That's not really what she said. <laughs> um, she also founded a non-profit called Project Memorial, which was established after a hurricane destroyed much of the local area of Memorial, Texas. Um, she's done a lot of cool stuff. I think it's fair to say that she deserved a lot more than what 2002 Bachelor fame could offer her. I feel like she would have been mm. a bigger deal if she was in the show or in the public eye in this day and age. Um, yeah, for sure. But, you know, she's now happily married. She's got two sons. The family of four lives in Texas. She has a private Instagram with 793 followers. Um, did you say that she was on Reality Steve? Yes. She also did an interview with Reality Steve at around the time that The Greatest Seasons Ever um, happened. The interview is... Okay, it seems like Reality Steve, uh, Reality Steve, who is a kind of controversial figure um, these days, uh, hadn't watched the season. Um, You're right. Okay. So he was kind of just like, oh, I saw you on the Greatest Seasons Ever. Can you tell me a bit more about that? She said she shed some light on some things. Um, it's worth listening to. I listened to it as background for this, but it didn't really come up all that much. But, you know, she's she's doing well. That was the the main sort of thing that I got from it. How bloody lovely. I'm just on her Facebook page now. Uh -huh. Looks like she's going really well. Mm. Two kids, they really seem very, very happy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, how nice. She is, she's uh, come out of it. a new dog called Ash. Oh, get out of here. That's great. Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. You know what? I wonder about um, Avery. Yeah, you know oh, what? what? I shouldn't ask there? that question. <laughs> I shouldn't <laughs> raise that specter. Um, look, she's also got a uh, WordPress, which... Uh, according to what I can see here, has not been updated since 2013, but has accrued over the years, but has accrued over the years 5,502 hits. Hey, oh, hits. Oh, that was probably all just me. <laughs> I did check that out. <laughs> uh, she has a website too, which has gone dark, but you know, whatever. She's, she's doing what she wants, I think. Yeah, you know? good for her. So that is the Where Are They Now, except for the truly key players who we will be talking about in more depth in next week's episode of The Bachelor of Hearts Presents Ancient Kistory. But that doesn't quite bring us to the end of our podcast, Maxie. Mm, On a regular episode of Bachelor of Hearts, we like to take this moment to track the movements of the participants of a given season on social media, particularly Instagram, because we have found that the worlds of The Bachelor and the world of Instagram are irrevocably entangled. However, in 2002, this was not the case. Instagram had not been invented. In fact, in 2002, Instagram's older sibling Facebook hadn't even launched, let alone its distant cousin MySpace. There was, however, definitely an internet, even though it looked a little different to the one that we have now. So Max Quinn... In, yes. In this week's edition of, in lieu of social media games, let's play some <laughs> historic games. Nobody has pitched a better title than that. I hate that we're stuck with it, but that's just where we are. 
Max, I would like for you to guess the top five search results on a little website called Google in the year 2002. And this will require you to really flex the muscles that you've been building throughout this season. You know, you've got to put yourself in the mind of somebody in 2002 who has access to the internet and try and think about what they might be looking for. Because we've talked about music. We've talked about movies. We've talked about other things that I'm forgetting about, you know, pop culture, all mm. of this stuff is swirling around. And I want you to just put your brain into the brain of one of their brains and tell me what are people Googling? What are people Googling into? This is a great one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to start by asking you a couple of questions. Okay. Fair enough. I would like to know, please. Are there any names of people? Okay. Uh, should we do top five or should we do top ten? I feel like top ten could be fine. Okay. Uh, yes, there are. Let me tell you how many names of people. Ooh, some of them are a little... A little. There's definitely the names of three people in the top ten. And you could argue another one. And the other one might be a fictional character? Correct. Great. Okay, so I'm like, that is fictional that character it, would have to be Harry Potter. Harry Potter does not exist within. No, he exists, but he is not within the top ten. Really? Yeah, okay. it seems crazy. Fictional character. Spider Man. Okay, you have correctly guessed number one. That is the top googled person, or the top Google query of 2002 is indeed Spider Man. Okay, and was that the person that you were referring to as that was the I could fictional... consider this to be a human being? Right. Great. Okay. Okay, so we've got Spider-Man. Correct. I'm looking for three people and then a bunch of other stuff. Could I ask you the bunch of other stuff? Mm-hmm. Are there any names of sports teams? No. There are not the names of sports teams. Okay. Xavier, are there any TV shows in the mix? There are TV shows. There is, okay, so. let me let me think, there is one TV show, and there are also two other things which were broadcast on TV. Okay, so one of them I would say would be Super Bowl? No, that is not in the top ten. Interesting. Okay, something else that was broadcast on TV. I mean, you are definitely barking up the right tree. Yeah, um, US Open, Wimbledon, um... World Series? I will give you number four, which is World Cup. Because I feel like you're you're really okay. basically there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, so we've got Spider-Man. We've got World Cup. I'm going to guess Anna Kornikova. No, Anna Kornikova is not there. I like that guess, though. Okay. I, will, I also am looking at a list of the top 20 declining queries which were big the previous year and if you get any of those i'll give you bonus points not that it matters and not that you should try i'll just let you know um george w bush uh george w bush is not in the top 10 damn okay american idol american idol is number eight correct thank you and kelly clarkson would be the other one she is not in the list but yeah i mean she's she's big she's big She's big at that time. Mm-hmm. All right. What about, um, give me some Britney Spears. Give me some Jessica Simpson. Neither of those. But Give me Paris Hilton. No. There are a couple of people like that in the top 10, though. Okay. 9-11. 9-11 is not in the top 10. 9-11, I think, is in the declining queries. 
Oh, no. You know what? The the declining queries are all things like World Trade Center, Osama Bin Laden, Taliban, yada, yada. Okay. So, let's now look at um, Saddam Hussein. Um, I like your thinking, but he is not in the tent. Are some of my people who are left sporting figures? Uh, there are no sporting figures in the top ten. I, I would assume that we might have then famous actors or actresses. Sitting in that top 10 zone. Um, no. No. One okay. of the three people who have yet mm-hmm. to be guessed has been in, has been an actor, but is not best known for it. Could I guess The Bachelor? Mm, no. I'm Damn. afraid not. I was hoping that it would be in there because I thought that would be really sweet, but I couldn't find it anywhere in the list. That's a shame. Yeah. What about... 2002, what else is happening? Um, there is another... Eminem? Yeah, Eminem is number seven, correct. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. There is another thing that was broadcast on television that I feel like you were pretty close to getting. Um, Oscars? No. Tonys? No. Emmys? No, no you, were closer, you were closer before with sports. Okay, and so what I was going with there were sporting events, Super Bowls, um, World Cup... What else is big? Grand final? Could that be in there? No. Hmm. Stanley Cup. Something that happens less often. Commonwealth Games? No. Olympics? What kind of Olympics? Winter Olympics. Yeah, correct. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. That was Thank number you. three. All right. So. So you've got Spider-Man, Winter Olympics, World Cup... You got Eminem? Yep. Yeah. And I got American Idol. You got American Idol, yes. Okay, so that's we're halfway there. Yeah. And they are, you know, those are mostly the top ones. So there's a couple that might stump you, but let's keep going. Okay, so th- but these are gettable. Yes. I will say, um, can I throw in Lord of the Rings? I feel like that Ooh. came out in 2002. Uh, Lord of the Rings is not there. I would have actually Ooh. thought that's a great guess. Um, if we want to branch out a little, that's... Of uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The clue is not gonna help. The, bo- okay. the number ten and number nine are both like broadly things that exist within that world, maybe. But that I, okay. I think I'm actually not helping you by telling you that. There is a type of media that I have had you guess on this podcast before. So video games. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto. No. PlayStation 2, maybe? Something like that? No. It's a good guess. Um, I don't know how to get you towards these answers, to be quite honest. Uh, Right. They're both PC games. They didn't come up... Age of Empires, World of Warcraft. What about... World of... What? Sorry? World of Warcraft? world World of what? Sorry? World of Minecraft? But what if it wasn't a world? Warcraft. Yeah. And how many? Two. What if there was another one? Three. Yeah. Warcraft yeah. 3 is number Warcraft 10. Warcraft 3. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate that. Welcome. I really worked hard at that one. <laughs> that one is possible to give you a clue for. Number nine, I don't know even where I would start. Okay. <laughs> but they're linked. Uh, like broadly in terms of genre. Okay. So what? They're like computer games? 
Yeah, but I mean in terms of like, you know, va- like world or whatever. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, okay. Like, like uh, is it The Sims? No. No. What I'm talking about is like, you know, it's, uh, I'll just tell you, it's like fantasy, you know? Okay. So this is a fantasy thing. Yeah. No, um, a fantasy PC game. You know okay. what? I, don't even, I guess it's fantasy. Yeah. I don't think you know this, though, actually. I, yeah, I don't think yeah, that I will either. Um, Morrowind. What? <laughs> okay, yeah, let's move on from Morrowind. Uh, oh, so, goodness. what's left? There are two more people that you haven't guessed. And there is one thing that you haven't guessed. I mean, Billie Eilish was probably born in 2002. <laughs> Billie Eilish did not register, even in the top 20, I'm so sorry to say. God, what's the world coming to? Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson is not in the top 20. Okay, okay. But yeah, this, okay. Is, this is the right area. This is the right area. Um, Let's Passion say... The Christ was around that time? Mel Gibson? Mm, no. Uh, let's say these are, these are people that... Um, an internet user might want to look at. Okay, so then my guess of Anna Kornikova was was kind of along the right lines. Yes. All right. So is there like who's a is it like a proto porn star sort of situation with these women? No, no. It's none of them are uh, are in the adult field. Okay, but they might be like Jennifer Lopez. Sure, they might be or... like her. They Is might be one? a fair bit like her, but not exactly her. Shakira? Yeah! Shakira's number two. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And if Shakira doesn't really do it for you, maybe you're mm. looking outside of the sort of Latin pop atmosphere. You're looking for, I don't know, maybe someone with a bit of an edge? Okay. Avril Lavigne? Correct! Number five is Avril Lavigne. Sick. Yeah. Okay. And so that leaves me with how many to go? One, one or are they all done? One to go. Okay. And we think it's not a person. It is a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was it a, a cultural thing that happened in 2002? Oh, yeah. All right. It is okay. not only in 2002. So it's something that might have repeated a few times. Perhaps. All right. Um, is it perhaps an annual event? No. Shit. It comes around... You know what? Okay, actually, here's, this is a bit of a clue. There was a minute there, a few years ago, where it was an annual event. But in 2002, it most certainly was not. Okay. In 2002, I will say, it was coming back for the first time in a while. Oh, is it Halley's Comet or something like that? No. Am I on the right path? I, I mean, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, no. it's right. not a celestial... Well, perhaps it is a little bit of a celestial event. Um, Ch- no, Chinese New Year happens every year. Um, the celestial event. Perhaps um, it is a little bit. <laughs> moon. No, <laughs> but say another space word. Star. Mm-hmm. War. Yes. S- yeah, you got it. Yes. Star Wars. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, because you know, uh, technically, well, of course, no, not yeah, the clony the or the the menace. Little baby boy he grows up to be baddie. The movie, William the Phantom Man. You know the one. That's where they found this boy. There's also a fascinating graph on this Google uh, Zeitgeist page from 2002 that tracks the last ketchup craze as it circles the globe. <laughs> <laughs> like an early peak in Spain and then Italy catches on and then suddenly a couple of spikes in the USA and then Germany and the UK and every you know, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah, it starts out in Wuhan, then suddenly there's a little <laughs> peak in Italy and then suddenly it's everywhere in the US. Yeah, the uh, the Acera Hay case numbers <laughs> are growing <laughs> day by day. Uh, so thus uh, ends the 2002 year-end Google Zeitgeist, and with it, I said Zeitgeist weird, uh, and with it, the historic games for this week on The Bachelor of Hearts presents Ancient History. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts presents Ancient History. <laughs> My name is Max Quinn. Hey, uh, next week on Ancient History, we're going to cover the finale of Bachelor US Season 1. But before then, it's our second week of The Bachelorette. And I think maybe it's a Halloween episode. I feel like we might have to try and make it a Halloween episode. I think we're, that you might have little... spooked us into it. <laughs> yeah, we're a little ways out from there right now as we record this. But I'm like, uh, I think that's where the dates are going to line up. So look forward are to whatever that is. we back the Halloween theme song? I feel like we have to, right? I was, you know what? I w earlier this week, I was toying with like, do I have time to make a Halloween ancient history theme song? <laughs> make this the Halloween episode? I was like, I can't do it. Um, so I backed us into a corner. We're going to do something spooky next uh, episode. Next time you hear us, um, hide your kids' ears. Protect them. <laughs> I don't know. What do, you, what do you say? Hide your wife's mouth. <laughs> don't stay up late and listen to this podcast because <laughs> you'll never get back to sleep. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's usually scary enough, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Listeners, if you want to hang out with me, Max Quinn, them, Xavier RN, you can find us uh, on the Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting Facebook group. That's where we are. It's where uh, lots of our friends are. It is where some past and maybe future contestants on the show hang out. We I love talking I about Batch. everyone on the Osh Posting group will eventually be in the Bachelor <laughs> at some yeah, point. Yeah, I would hold it against them if they weren't. Yeah, I don't wish that for them because I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but, you know, it is mm. an inevitability. As we approach the heat death of the universe, all of us will have our 15 minutes within the hallowed halls of The Bachelor. Hey, speaking of your worst enemies. <laughs> speaking of the heat death of the universe, go on. I just want to shout out to the Zaveheads. Oh, you know what? I want to clarify something, that they're actually not my worst enemies. And in fact, they may be my <laughs> best friends and closest allies on the planet. <laughs> Uh, but I want to shout out to Max Nation, my bitter rivals. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've started a rivalry with an infant. <laughs> no, Max Nation is the name of your your subsect of the uh, the audience, I think. Oh, Named uh, after okay, the infant. Very well. yeah. I mean, I also have beef with the infant, but that's for separate reasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> infant, not, not old enough to process beef, but old enough still to have it. <laughs> If you mush it up really fine, maybe. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, we'll leave that with uh, with you <laughs> listeners to <laughs> mail some beef to the boy. <laughs> Please. If we can leave you with one thing, 
Don't follow any of the, Don't read any of these articles. Don't follow us on social media. Do none of that. Your call to action for this week, mail beef to the boy. <laughs> Have you heard that band, the Beefy Boys? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, look, Maxi, this has been great. Oh. Thank you for being here. Fuck you. Damn it. That was really good. Uh, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> we love you. Uh, goodbye.